0: Oh, hey there. Welcome to another edition of What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. On this week's program, are millennials going to be able to retire in comfort? Changes in the workplace and life expectancy might make it difficult. We look at the issues and how to circumvent them. A Barry woman gets her children's book to market, and it's a good one. The Aurelia Public Library brings Remembrance Day home to the community. We meet a member of the Barry Junior Sharks women's hockey team, which is enjoying a great start to the season. And there's our regular update on the Barry Colts. We get the conversation started after this. It's only
1: a kick.
0: This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. I was reading an article not long ago about millennials and challenges they may be facing related to retirement and I thought who better than our friend Sandra Ramos at IG Wealth Management to help shed some light on those challenges and how to address them. All kinds of things at play here. Cost of living, a longer life expectancy, the changing face of the workplace, and not as much opportunity to take advantage of a company-led pension plan. What do millennials have to be doing, Sandra? What do they need to be thinking about
2: For me I think the number one thing is just the current situation with high inflation high interest rates it's really going to hinder their ability to get ahead without planning The days of just spending money and carrying payments is gone. they really need to focus on what their cash flow looks like and allocating it accordingly and leaving room to save to keep their independence. As you mentioned, we also don't have in the future the same prognosis for company-held pension plans, defined benefit plans, things that they could lean on or count on for their future, for their retirement needs. It's really going to be up to the millennial to do that savings. And the best way to do it is actually with the help of a professional financial planner or somebody that they trust to give them that leadership. I think millennials... You know, are busy people, too, they're creating their careers, um, they're starting to have children. Um, they really need to have somebody in their lives to help give them the direction, the coaching, um, and the strategic planning to, to have some money later in life, to be independent, to have that retirement freedom that
3: everybody wants.
0: Is there still that prevailing attitude, such as there was when when I started working, that I've got lots of time to worry about this, I don't need to to worry about it now?
2: I think that's human nature. I think people do tend to put off what they know they should be doing. Um, You know, procrastination is kind of uh, everybody's problem, everybody's issue. But I think with the amount of information that's out there today, I think there's a growing awareness, especially for the millennials themselves, that they are going to have to be somewhat self-reliant, and they're going to have to start today to be um, planning their future a little differently, a little more intensely. Millennials, uh, you know, have a different problem than um, our generation did, and that is the lack of uh, company participation in their future.
0: So let's set the pins up. Where does one begin? How do you get started? I know my mom and dad told me, you put away a little bit every week or every pay, and and that's a good start, and hopefully you, you can latch on to a company plan. That may not be the case for millennials. So where do they start, and how do they keep up, given the economic circumstances of the day?
2: Well, there's only so much money every month, and um, it's got to go in a lot of directions today. Food, housing, taxes. Um, you know, there's a lot lot of responsibility but sometimes the money isn't as big as the responsibilities. So it's very difficult to um, sort of just say, you know, just start putting some money away, you'll be okay. I think it's a little more sophisticated than that today. I think that millennials need to really focus on what is their income, what are their expenses, and make sure they leave a little room to put away for the future. But Here's the big thing: they're going to have to live within their means, and the millennials have had sort of the benefit of the latter part of this generation um living on low interest rates, and that has facilitated maybe a big a bit bigger lifestyle than what they could really afford. So buying that really much more expensive car, buying that more expensive house, this is going to have to be reined in um to leave room to save for the future, because they won't be able to do it all. It's just not possible in, in this inflationary environment.
0: Well, and the other thing, too, is I recall coming out of these kinds of economic situations in the past, because I've been through two or three of them now in, in my working life, and things are going to get better, maybe not as good as they have been, but things are going to get better. And then we're going to start spending and spending and spending again, because we think we've got it made, and then whoop, it's going to happen again.
2: Well, the the economy goes in cycles, and every cycle is different. I know it's very common for people to look back and say, okay, well, this happened, so this is going to be the future, and, you know, try to predict the future with the past, but you really can't. Every generation, every cycle, it's just a little different. I I don't think we will get back to that crazy spending. I mean, outside of um, real estate, which is its own animal, uh, consumer spending is a different animal. These credit card debts that people have and have had for years are still high. You know, they've just gotten into the stratosphere now. So there's a limitation. What I think as we pull out of this recession, this technical recession they're saying we're having currently, might take a while, but we will get out of it, just like you said. I'm hoping that this generation, this millennial generation, has learned a few lessons about how abruptly their lives can be interrupted by economics. And a little planning, a little forethought, a little creating, a little bit of savings, a little bit of buffer can help weather some of these changes, so they aren't so intrusive in their lives.
0: Somebody comes in, sits down, talks to you. They want to try and get things uh, on 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 base. What do you tell them? What's the advice you tell them to to help them to pull back when they're so used to spending, spending, spending? Because that's going to be a hard habit to break.
2: Definitely a hard left turn, for sure. I think the first thing I tell them is, what kind of life do you want to have? Do you want to have a life where you're struggling paycheck to paycheck? Or do you want to have a a lifestyle where you don't even need to check the bank account, you just know the money's there? If that's where you want to get to, then there's a methodical path you have to follow to get there. And part of it is just restraint, planning, budgeting, all the things we hate to do as humans. We hate to do that stuff, <laughs> yeah. but it's a, but it's important. It's a very important element to get ahead. Without having some sacrifice today, you cannot have a robust retirement tomorrow. There's There are a few people, obviously, that come into money, win money, uh, inherit money, like, you know, those things happen, but they don't happen for all of us. The majority of us have to work hard. Squirrel some away. Live within our means. Plan. Make sure you have a financial coach to help you with the process, to keep you on track, because we all have the tendency to fall off the track. And just put one foot in front of the other to grow your financial plan. It's not going to happen overnight. It's time. It's the best investment for you.
0: Is there? I know everybody's situation is different, and everybody has has uh, different thoughts as to what they want their retirement to look like. But is there a is there a monetary number that people need to be striving to to reach before they retire?
2: Well, I think the calculation for knowing what you need later is a little more simple than you know, what some people believe. And and that is basically looking at it from the perspective of your lifestyle today. If you're making, let's say, $5,000 a month and you're able to balance your lifestyle on $5,000, you have what you need, what you want, you've got some money to squirrel away, then on an inflationary scale, we should be able to uh, predict roughly what we would need to put away to continue to create that type of lifestyle. And a financial advisor can really help with that because there's all kinds of tools, software tools now that we have to model to insert inflation and taxation into that um, uh, prediction so that you can accurately save enough money to get there. There is something else that I think doesn't get talked about enough. It, it gets talked about more, but it doesn't get talked about enough, and that's going to be health care. Millennials are going to live... Longer lives, but likely a lot of people are going to live longer lives with some illness. We also know that um, Alzheimer's is rampant. There's just heart disease and diabetes and all kinds of things that people have to deal with as they as they age. And a lot of these things will require some kind of health care, and health care is expensive. It's getting more and more privatized. So when we think about saving money for the future, we we can't just think about it in terms of saving for our retirement and having good time and having spending money. We need to think about it in terms of taking care of ourselves. Now, there are some tools that are out there to be prepared in in, uh, the aspect of insurances that should be explored by millennials. I know when you're young, it's difficult to think about those things. You think about today, you don't think about being, you know, 80 years old. But it will happen. It happens to everybody. And so the better prepared you are, um financially but also maybe with some of these other tools with insurance the less worry you'll have later in your life about spending your money because you know those other things are taken care of
0: do governments need to rethink uh the canada pension plan for instance and and uh how they can uh, help people uh plan for their futures
2: well so the government um is broke so <laughs> You know, there's there's a lot of strategy that has to go into the future. I mean, it's a very complex succession of calculations to predict what Canadian needs are going to be. The tone is always set by the underlying wealth or debt of the population, of course. But CPP is going to take a bigger role, I think, in the future, as all of our um, social safety nets will, simply because people don't have the means right now to be saving as much as they were. And because we don't have as many companies that are able to supply uh, employer-sponsored plans, the population is going to be leaning on the government. So I think you're going to see the government expanding CPP uh, program. Um, I think funding to CPP is going up, um, and that means, you know, more... Uh, payroll taxes for people to pay as well as uh, corporations. It, everybody's going to have to do a little in order for the population to continue to progress financially.
0: Lots for people to think about, Sandra. If people uh, want to get a hold of you to uh, get some more information, have that uh, chat you talked about, how do they do that?
2: If people would like to reach out to me, they're more than welcome to do so. Um, my email is uh, sandra.ramos at igpwm.ca.
0: Thank you, as always, for your insight and your advice, and we'll look forward to talking to you again.
2: Thank you very much, Dan.
0: We all love a success story, and here's one we were on the ground floor of. We welcome back to what Barry's talking about, Angela Odesanya, a designated early childhood educator and author who joined us several months ago to talk about her children's book and the Kickstarter program she had launched to get it published. The support has been overwhelming, as we hear in this conversation between Angela and Barry 360's MJ.
4: So we have some exciting news. We talked to you um, a little while ago and you had this really great idea and a Kickstarter campaign for a really cool idea for a children's book. Um, Amelia's Loose Part Art?
5: Yeah, so I wrote Amelia's Loose Part Art last spring and we ran a Kickstarter campaign um, over the summer and we successfully raised over $10,000.
4: Amazing. And all of that
5: um, obviously went to something really good because... You have a book. I do. Thank, thankful to that. I was able to actually double my print run that I was hoping to do. And so we're launching our book on November 18th. Okay, and you got a bit of a big event happening with that one. Yeah, so we booked an event at Williams Cafe on Brine Drive in Barrie, and uh, it goes from 11 to 2, and um, we're going to have interactive Loose Part Art Station. Obviously, you can meet me and get yourself an autographed copy of the book. There'll be refreshments, uh, photo opportunities, and much, much more. And let's go to Amelia's Loose
4: Part Art. It's a really great idea. It's about finding things around you, children finding things around them to create art. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's just it
5: is what it is, using their imagination. That's right. I really wanted to create a book that um, inspired children to be creative with um, their thinking of what art is and what it can be made from. So Amelia uh, goes for a sleepover at her grandma's house and forgets her art box at home. So she doesn't have her favorite paints and coloring utensils, but she wants to create art. And so her grandma um, plants a seed in her that art's inside of her and there's things all around her. And so she gets inspired by a piece of fabric. Um, It reminds her of the sky that she was hoping to uh, paint. And from there, she just starts looking around and finding buttons and pins. And she was in her grandma's sewing room. So all feathers and all these supplies. And then from that art project, she just wants to do another and another. And so she travels outside and inside and um, creates all these wonderful art pieces based on um, finding loose parts and being creative with them. So what's the reception been like so far for the book? So we have had some early releases going out. Um, The teacher unions have been extremely interested. They see the educational value that this adds and complements curriculum in our schools. Um, And some teachers have had the opportunity to bring it in their classrooms early And what I'm hearing is that children are immediately wanting to engage in this art form and that their creativity is significantly improving Immediately,
4: But just like finding like random things around the playground and the
5: classroom and yeah. Yeah. One teacher in particular, she shared with me that, so Amelia does this thing. She has a chant in the book where she looks up and down and all around. And so she had her class literally stand up and do that. And so they got to freely go around and find their own loose parts and collect them and be creative with them. So it was more meaningful and connected to the book for those students. And she said that it was like one of their favorite activities that week.
4: So what age is it? Um, is it geared for obviously like younger children, like pre-K and and stuff like that? Could it be for older
5: kids too? Yeah, so I would say this book is uh, definitely pre-K to uh, about grade three. Um, It's probably most targeted at kindergarten grade one, but with some... Uh, creativity and expanding children's thinking, you can be stretched to grade three. So about three to eight years old.
4: Okay, and so this event that's coming up on Saturday, um, are there uh, you said that there's also going to be like a chance for kids to get creative with some of their stuff too?
5: Yeah, so we have something we're calling the exploration station and it will uh, hold 20 people at a time and there'll be an assortment of loose parts out for anyone aged three to 103. So (laughs) everyone can get involved. um, Even adults. I'm, I'm picturing it kind of like a paint night. So when you'd go to a paint night and everyone would sit and uh, be creative together, except in this situation, you don't have to follow instructions. You can explore and be creative and create what's in your heart. And you've already said you had some pre-orders, correct? Yeah. So on Amazon, it's on pre-order. It's been on pre-order for a couple of weeks and we've surpassed a hundred pre-orders already. Um, And like I said, the teacher unions have been reaching out and making, you know, bulk orders. Uh, we've already pre-sold a thousand books. Are you going to be able to keep up with that? Or? <laughs> I'm trying. I actually, that's my biggest fear these days is I'm going to run out of books before all the events that I have planned between now and the end of the year. Um, but I do have some books on a ship right now sailing over so hopefully they get here soon it's a good problem to have yeah <laughs> <laughs> not one I expected but it's I'm very grateful to have it for oh, sure all right and how are you feeling about the, the Kickstarter was so successful I'm super thankful I'm thankful to my family and friends the greater community um, people around the world who actually believed in what I was doing Um, you know I ship books to Germany and Sri Lanka and all over and it's pretty incredible to think people who don't know me wanted to invest in me. And where can people get a copy? Uh, So at the moment amazon.ca if you can come to the book launch you can get an autographed copy and very soon it will be on my website as well which is angelaodisania.com
0: Again, the book signing and creative event is Saturday, November 18th. It's at Williams Fresh Cafe on Brine Drive from 11 a.m. till 2 p.m. Another rough one for the Barry Colts last weekend, losing two games on the road. Barry 360's Will Conkin takes a look back with Colts broadcaster and writer Gene Pereira.
1: After looking uh, good for a stretch, the Colts uh, then lost uh, their two road games out east uh, last week, uh, 4-2 to Kingston and 8-3 against uh, Ottawa. The Colts have lost overall uh, six of their last eight. Gene, um, what's been going on with them?
3: Yeah, it's just been, you know, been a, obviously a, a tough stretch, and uh, you know, I think right now being a younger club, their confidence is down a bit, and you know, I think Marty Wilson said, you know, they're just going to have to be patient and uh, and uh, you know, try to get through this uh, this, this stretch. But right now. Uh, you know, on, on the weekend, uh, something that uh, was a bit different was, you know, the goaltending. I think, especially in that Ottawa game, um, young Sam Hillbrand has been really good, but it just happened. to have one of those off games. He got pulled after four goals early in the second period and, and replaced by Herbick, the, the young rookie, making his OHL debut. So. You know, is a team that you don't want to make mistakes against, and they capitalize, and they're, they're a tough team to play against, a very structured hockey unit, and uh, they capitalize on their mistakes, and, uh, you know, Barry learned that quick. But I think for the Colts, the important thing here is to try to, you know, again, bounce back and win those ones at home. They, they were in it against Kingston on Friday night in Kingston, but, uh, you know, again, when you start those weekends uh, off with the loss, uh, that, that momentum kind of kicks in, and just a tough eastern swing for Barry.
1: Um, Marty Williamson, he was mentioning uh, patience, patience about the team. Um, maybe you could uh, touch on that a little bit as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at this team, and, I mean, there's a lot of youth, and even players like Kayshawn Acheson who are coming in, I mean, they're only a second-year player, uh, didn't get a lot of ice time last year, and now he's kind of thrust into a, a major role, and, I think there are going to be some uh, bumps on the road uh, in in terms of that development and these guys playing key minutes. But, you know, even Riley Patterson comes in. He's a rookie. I think they have seven first-year players in the lineup on Sunday. And, uh, uh, you know, you you look back on the blue line as well. I mean, the loss, uh, you know, of guys like Brandt Clark and Brandon Hachet, Uh, you know, Arthur Cholak. I mean, that's a major part of your blue line, three outstanding veterans. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, you you know, you got the likes of some rookies back there. And even a guy like Tiller, who didn't play again, uh, played a hurt most of last year or so, uh, which hindered his development. So I think it's going to take some time. You know, up front, they just haven't been scoring goals. They've been getting chances. Um, I mean, they had over 40 shots on Sunday, but, again, they're just not finishing. And, you know, that's a sign of a bit of youth there. I think the talent is there. But, again, you know, the likes of, uh, you know, some young guys up front and just to finish uh, is key. You know, Shelley has struggled a little bit at times and in the finishing department. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it's uh, Riley Patterson. I mean, all talented, very talented guys, but they just need to get a few more games under their belt.
1: Hopefully a new a new addition uh, can add something to the Colts. They signed prospect uh, Nolan Newton from uh, the Greater uh, Sudbury Cubs on Monday. Um, what's his player profile?
3: Yeah, I think, I mean, you look at it, uh, uh, you know, Marty said that, you know, uh, offense is something that they've really struggled with in finishing. And Nolan Newton's uh, a clear offensive uh, forward uh, uh, he had an outstanding camp with Barry uh, this year and almost made the team. It was really a tough decision. And, uh, you know, he went down with the Cubs, uh, the Greater Sudbury Cubs, and it was, has just been outstanding in that Northern Ontario Junior Hockey League. Um, he's been one of, I think, fourth overall league scoring, a 17 year old, which is pretty impressive. And,. Uh, He's just one of those dynamic uh, skaters and and playmakers, and uh, you know a guy that can finish as well. And um, you know Marty kind of hesitated at first, and he, he told me, you know, he, he really makes him uh, reminds him of uh, a former Colt Ethan Cardwell. And uh, you know, but Marty was quick to point out, look, he's 17; he's still got some development here. He's coming to the Ontario Hockey League. There's going to be an adjustment, but. He sees the same skills there, and you know time you put up the numbers that he has uh almost two points a game in uh in uh, in the northern ocul you got some talent with you so um obviously with newton uh it takes a bit of a time of adjustment here, but they figure that he's going to be an impact guy for them down the road
1: on the slate for the Colts uh Kingston comes to town tonight then the Colts are in Mississauga on Friday and back at home to host the Battalion on Saturday. Um these 3 and 3 stretches are, are tough ones. Obviously good learning times, but uh, I I assume they also take a bit of a toll.
3: Yeah, I mean, we certainly do. I mean, anytime you play 3 games in 3 nights, uh it's just passed, especially by that third game, especially if you're, you know, uh if you really have to rely on all four lines. Uh, you know, through those games to kind of get you through and, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's tough for any team to get, you know, that much depth into the roster, effective depth and a lot of teams have young players, especially for a young team like Barry, uh, but Marty's done a good job of kind of rolling the four lines, but, you know, again, it's something that they're going to have to do and, uh you know, kind of an odd thing. Uh, already, this—I think this is the fourth uh, th- uh, three games and three nights game uh, weekend for Barry already, and we're not even—you know—we're just into November, so it's—it's uh, it's been a tough stretch for them. But uh, another one here, and again, uh, well, I can't say it enough. But uh, you know, the focus is that opening game Thursday against King- Kingston on home ice. Uh, uh, you just—you really with the opportunity to play at home, you really want to take advantage of that. At home, date you know, uh, win it and, uh, you know, get some confidence building for the weekend, especially for a young, fragile team like Barry that has had its struggles over the last couple of weeks here. You want to get the weekend started off
1: right. As always, thanks for the insight on the Colts, Gene. Thanks, Will.
0: What Barry's Talking About is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry has to offer and more. You can catch up on past episodes and make it easy to keep caught up by subscribing to What Barry's Talking About through streaming services such as Spotify and Apple. Still to come on What Barry's Talking About, the Barry Junior Sharks women's elite team is off to a great start. After some wholesale changes over the summer, we chat with Coach Dwayne Eldridge and meet forward Jordan Redden. And we learn more about a special Remembrance Day program that's been taking place this week at the Aurelia Public Library. Now this. Our community rocks. It's a well-known fact, blood transfusion saves lives. It's also a well-known fact that the world relies on voluntary unpaid donations to fill the need for blood. The need for blood never ends. Canadian Blood Services in Barrie is calling on you to help save a life. Please consider donating today. Appointments are mandatory and must be booked in advance. Book today at blood.ca through the Give Blood app or by calling 1-888-2-donate. Our community rocks on Barrie's Rock Station. Rock 95. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely, the Barry Junior Sharks Under-22 Elite Team, women's hockey team, having an awesome season so far. 8-2-1 and one, up to last weekend. Uh, we're happy to have with us in studio the head coach, Dwayne Eldridge, and one of his players, Jordan Redden. Welcome to both of you. Thank you.
6: Thank you. What a great start to the season. It's been a lot of fun to watch how hard these girls have worked, the growth and the development the enthusiasm they have, uh, and the work ethic, and they're getting rewarded for it. They're um, they're doing the things they need to do to be successful, and it's it's been great to watch.
0: Well, let's uh, give some credit to the coaching. <laughs>
6: uh, I, I, I think a little bit maybe just in planning um, and identifying areas that we need to work, but uh, full credit to the girls. They show up, uh, they're willing to listen, they're willing to learn, uh, and they're willing to get better every time they come to the rink. And what's great is you
0: lost a bunch of players at the end of last season just through the general course of things. So you, you've got a whole lot of new faces, and they seem to have gelled together very, very well.
6: Yeah, we've got an interesting mix of, uh, of youth for sure. Uh, and then you've got returning players uh, like Jordan that have uh, been great leaders in the room. They've, uh, they've helped the younger players adjust. And I think the fact that there's a really good comfort level, which I'm sure Jordan will speak to in the room, Uh, everybody's relaxed and everybody gets along. And when you've got that cohesiveness in a room, it's easy to have success.
0: All right, Jordan, tell us about the room. Tell us what's going on in there.
7: Yeah, so to build off what Dwayne said, we have a new group this year. There's some younger girls and some older girls both coming in along with a few of us returning. And we've all come together and become like a really close group super quick. The younger girls get along with the older girls and the returning girls all great. It feels like you can just talk with everyone. We're just 20 best friends, so it makes coming to the rank of joy. Like Dwayne said, we're working hard at practice. We all want to be there every day. No one's upset to be there. No one's grouchy and even if you are, seeing 20 of your best friends brightens the mood pretty quick. It's such a great group to be a part of.
0: Well, and it is a game after all. It's supposed to be fun, right? And you're doing it with a lot of people who are who are enjoying it.
7: Exactly. It's my second year with this team and last year was super fun. This year's just as fun. Um, Dwayne and our new coaching staff are making practices, games, everything extra we're doing off the ice. It's super fun to be at the rink. You look forward to going there every day and I wouldn't want to do it with a different group of girls.
0: How often are you on the ice with the Junior Sharks? Because you were telling me you've also got a school team that you're with too. Yeah,
7: so we regularly practice two nights a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays like skills and systems practices. And then every other Monday we do some skating practices with Paul Matheson, which is super fun and then every like once a month or so we are at version motion just doing some off-ice training, conditioning, strengthening and then usually weekends are our games, Friday, Saturday, Sundays. Every once in a while we have a weeknight game.
0: And then sometimes it's an extended road trip out of town and they can be fun.
7: Yeah, those are lots of fun for sure. Definitely long weekends, long drives, but it's super it's a bonding experience with the team for sure. You get to share a room with some of your teammates some bus games, share stories. You get to know your teammates on a different level when you're spending three days straight with them. Yeah.
0: And and do you, do you play uh, a little bit of shinny in the hallway of the hotel when you're out on the road like uh, my kids did when they played hockey?
7: <laughs> no, uh, on those road trips, we're pretty hockeyed out by the end of it, so we definitely take our breaks so we can get them. Um, we did go to a university game. We were in Ottawa a couple weekends ago, so we got out to watch the Carlton game, watch some former teammates, which is always nice to reconnect with them. But back at the hotels, it's a lot of relaxing, eating some good food, getting ready for the next day.
0: One of the things that we're we're hoping to to help you with this year is is get more recognition for the women's game and and get more people interested in it. Are you seeing any more interest uh, this year compared to last year and the year before?
6: Again, I I think there is for sure. Uh, The launch of the PWHL, uh, the initial launch with the draft and all that created a lot. We're in a little bit of a quiet time with them actually right now, but that's obviously going to kick in. Uh, with their training camp starting in the next week uh, and as there's more media coverage I think it just generates more we've got some special dates coming up uh, November the 12th, their shoebox uh, with Shannon Murray kicks off uh, so donations on those days, we're reaching out to the organization we we're having a military appreciation day on January the 14th that I think again, gives us an opportunity to give back to a community who means a lot to Barry and to the country and the ser- service they provide, and so I think having more people come to games as part of those special events will just continue to raise that awareness.
0: We talk about getting more uh, fannies in the seats in Barry when you go on the road what's what's the recognition for for the women's game in in those areas is okay. it as
6: good as it is here is it less is it more in in some areas it's definitely more uh, and in some areas it's definitely less i think we're we're sort of middle of the pack right now but uh the one thing that Always happens if you're having successful seasons and you have a good team on the ice. More people are, generate interest, and we're starting to see that right now. And and from your perspective, uh, how are things looking for the women's game?
7: I think it's um, we're seeing a lot of improvements recently, especially like for myself, seeing more opportunities like. Even after college, it's always, like, growing up, that was kind of, like, the end goal was to play college hockey. But now, like, we see Jesse going and playing the PWHL. Like, there's another next step to kind of work towards, which is awesome. And then also for the younger girls, like, who are just starting now, they have that to work towards, not just this team or not just college hockey. They can look all the way to, like, the end, just like their brothers have had opportunities to have favorite NHL players now young girls can look up to those PWHL players. I think that's a really awesome opportunity.
0: Is that the end game for you, the PWHL?
7: If that's where the road takes me, I won't complain. You know, I'm kind of taking it step by step, working on finishing this year strong, maybe coming back and playing another year, having another good year, and then seeing where I end up for college and kind of just play it by year, but you know, I would be happy to end up there for sure.
0: It can be difficult with the time you have to invest in this and you've got your school team as well. And then you've got uh, social life, perhaps, maybe (laughs) a little bit, family life. How do you manage all of that?
7: Yeah, well hockey is like another family to me, so being there I always look forward to it. It's like it's a big part of my life, obviously. But finding that balance is important. So we've had later practice this year, so making sure that all my hockey or schoolwork is done before I get to the rank, before our weekends of games, so that when I'm at the rank, I'm fully focused on that and then any time I'm away from the rank, just making the best of my time to spend it with friends or family. But yeah, hockey's obviously it's what I love the most. So it's a huge part of my life, but no, finding time for other things.
0: Somebody young who's coming up who may be struggling w- with all of that or or having doubts whether or not this is what they want to do, what would you ad- advise them with?
7: Um, I would definitely say, like, talking to other people. Like, you're never alone. Like, everyone on our team is, for the most part, going through schooling right now and playing hockey and maybe struggling to balance it, but we've all been there at one point. And then just remembering, like, why you, why you're playing hockey. Like, for me, it's the passion. Like, I love it, so... Even if I am having a tough day, maybe I'm behind in school. I don't really want to go to the rink. Just remembering, like, I love this game, why I love it. The people that are here and kind of get to the rink. And once you're there, obviously, you love being there. So, yeah.
0: Who are your hockey idols?
7: Oh, that's a tough one. Um, Obviously, thought Jessie. She's ran <laughs> some good um cl- like clinics, I guess you could say. I remember over COVID, she did a bunch of stuff with some of the girls for the Sharks. And she gave a lot of good advice that still stuck with me to this day. Um, obviously like the star players like Poulin and them are easy to look up to and aspire to play like they do. But yeah, there's so many upcoming good role models that I think a lot of girls are lucky to have now.
0: Give us the pitch to people who who haven't caught the women's hockey bug yet.
6: Well, I I think it's definitely a unique game compared to the men's game. Uh, Our league is, is physical, but not at that level. Uh, And the whole focus for us is on speed and skill. Uh, And it, if you look at it from that uh, perspective, it's very exciting. That the puck is always moving, the game is always moving, and it's a different brand. Uh, if you come out expecting what you see in a men's game, uh, you're probably going to be disappointed. But if you can appreciate the game being played at its purest level, it's very exciting to watch and to know that you're watching. You know, to Jordan's point, you're watching your future college and and professional players play. I think it's a great opportunity to see them in early development uh, to get to those goals, just like you do with the Colts. I think it's exciting, you know, for the team this week, we've got uh, one of our goalies, Amelia Wilkinson, who's out in Dawson Creek, uh, British Columbia, playing at the U18 national teams, representing Team Ontario. And that's just another step. It's, It's the first player we've had that's done that. And everybody's excited to watch how Amelia makes out. And obviously, a lot of people don't know what it takes to get there until they see somebody do it. And then all of a sudden, it's not such a, a, a big um, hill to climb. And I suspect that over the next few years, we'll see more of our players achieve that goal.
0: And the home games generally on the weekend at East Bayfield Community Center.
6: They are 4.30 and Saturdays and two, 30, uh, 2 o'clock on Sundays.
0: Thanks to both of you for coming in. Thanks for the enthusiasm. It's awesome. And hopefully it's uh, catchy to to a lot of people who are, who have been listening. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. The name Jesse mentioned a time or two there, Jesse Eldridge of Barry, who's carving out quite a career in women's hockey, recently drafted by the New York franchise of the new professional women's hockey league. We pause this Saturday morning, a moment to remember the sacrifices made by Canadians in two world wars and other conflicts as the number of veterans still living to tell their stories dwindles. Jane Turvey, the Community Services Coordinator at the Aurelia Public Library, does what she can every year to ensure their stories live on. She's with Barry 360's Ian McLennan.
8: Jane, you have been doing for a number of years uh, a display at the Aurelia Public Library to bring home uh, Remembrance Day uh, to the community, especially youth. Um, Tell us a bit about what that display entails and uh, the number of kids that come through to uh, you know what they're going to experience, what what they've been experiencing this week.
9: So basically I always say we ask the public children, youth uh, to remember but if you have nothing to remember how do you do that? So this whole um, exhibit event is to sort of give them something with local people, um, local information that they can take home with them and hopefully think about on Remembrance Day.
8: So what type of displays do you have? And I'm told uh, these displays previously too are sort of interactive?
9: Yes, so every year we change things up. I work with a few military collectors and museums. Um, and so this year we're focusing on the anniversaries of the Korean War and the peacekeeping, uh, 75 years of peacekeeping. And we also always have World War I and two, et cetera. But uh, we have uniforms and information and pictures, and those students are given their very own soldiers' paybook with questions inside and they have to walk around to find the answers and if they participate they can put their name in for a draw for prizes
8: and do you localize it to the some of the people that have have served that are from the Aurelia area
9: yes on our windows we have over a hundred poster boards with um people who have served from basically the south african war Um, before 1900, right up until today, like, you know, veterans that uh, have come home in the last 10 years. Um, We also have people who stayed at home and supported armed forces um, on those window um, displays. And they are usually up for about a month. Uh, we're also focusing on the British home children. We have a big exhibit in the back hall in cases that will be up for a month um, because they had a lot of soldiers uh, that had come to Canada as British home children. So um, it's, it is definitely focused. Focused on local people, um, but that's also encompassing, you know, Simcoe County as well as the Aurelia area.
8: How many uh, will come through to see the see the displays through Friday? Uh,
9: we have eight hundred and fifty students registered uh, to come in. They've either come in or they're about to come in um, from all kinds of schools. Uh, we have the Minnesotaning school coming this year for the first time from Rama, which is really exciting, and our local schools, and we even have a homeschool from Innisfil coming.
8: So um, I don't know if you had a chance to talk to the students who've come through already this week or in, in previous years. Um, do, you, do you find out what they've taken away from it and, uh, you know, if, if it brings it home to them?
9: It does. Um, some of them, like, we have some really cool stories, like uh, a hockey team, for example, from World War One, And um, there's one soldier who, uh, Con Smythe from the Toronto Maple Leafs, was hoping to get for the Maple Leafs, but he was so broken from being in World War One, um, you know, shell shock that he was never he never played hockey again after World War One. And I think it hits home with these kids because, you know, they're looking at his I have a cutout of him and he looks very young. He is young. And, you know, he was their superstar like Sidney Crosby or, you know, Mitch Marner and he went off to war and came back and he never played hockey again. So stories like that really hit home.
8: And Jane, this is also very personal for you, too, because of the work that you've done meticulously for many years. um, Every man remembered. Tell us a bit about that, too, because um, it it, it is you've you've uh, brought uh, lives together, too, with your work.
9: Right. So, my father was captured in the D-Day Raid, August nineteenth, 1942. Um, he was a prisoner of war for nearly three years, and I helped him write a book called Destined to Survive. That is how I learned the story firsthand from someone who was there. So, kind of in line with this event that I've been doing at the library for nearly 10 years. I started researching every man from his regiment, the Royal Regiment of Canada out of Toronto. There's a lot of people from central Ontario that fought with that regiment. Um, And so for all those years, I have been searching for a photo and bio for every soldier that landed at Blue Beach, which is Pui, um in the D-Day uh, and I'm nearly done. But the cool things that ha- has, you know, the cool thing that's happened through this is that I've been able to locate family members, I've been able to answer their questions about what their fathers or grandfathers went through, and I've been able to match people up. If their fathers were best friends, I've been able to take
8: the descendants and introduce them to each other. So it's been really cool. So it ties all nicely together, and for people who'd like to learn more about it, um, because there is a lot of work that you put into it, um, is there a Facebook page or a website that people can access?
9: Yes, uh, the website is www ca, and we also have a Facebook page uh, similar name, but at the end it's Every Man Remembered. So Diap Blue Beach Every Man Remembered.
8: And finally, what do you take away when you when you when you're when you're coming up with the idea for these uh, for these displays and you know what you're you're trying to message to? You said all ages. Do you feel a sense of
0: accomplishment
9: or? I definitely do. Um, there's probably been, we did a rough estimate. Uh, since I started this event, we've had about 5,500 people go through, and I still have people coming up to me saying, you know, last year I saw my grandfather on your poster boards, or thank you for doing this. Like, we always get feedback, and it it's, it's like a, a journey almost. I, I feel accomplished that I've, you know, I've, I've sort of made people understand and remember, which is what we all set out to do, that these men and women are not forgotten.
0: And join us at 11 Saturday morning on either of our partner radio stations, Cool FM or Rock 95, for a moment of silence, followed by a special reading of In Flanders Fields. And that's our program for this week. Thanks to Ian, MJ, and Will for their input, to Matt Ladder for his technical expertise, and to you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About on X at Barry360, on our website, barry360.com. Some of you can still see us on Facebook. And there's our daily Kickstart podcast available from any streaming service and on our website. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week.